0: I know it's not a big deal for you guys, but it's snowing here. Oh, no, it's just a little bit. It's a big deal.
1: Anthony's excited. He just did a fist bump.
0: Anthony was really excited.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were skipping winter this year. Oh, God. We went went through January with, like, it was above freezing almost every single day. It hasn't snowed since... uh, Snowed?
1: Snowed? Yeah. (laughs) It hasn't snowed snowed since
2: November, so I thought we were skipping winter. And then we got dumped on.
1: It snowed pretty good here last, uh, I think, all day, <laughs> all day Saturday, and then it snowed a little bit yesterday. It was, uh, but now it's gone I now. S- it, a couple weeks ago, it snowed it so hard, there was like three feet of snow around. But that Nick melted.
2: Ferry posted a photo up on Facebook of a, a cordless snow shovel, so it must be some sort of electric heated snow shovel, and he, his, his comment was, in my day, all sh- snow shovels were cordless.
1: <laughs> That's, what is it
0: heat it heats the blade what does it do i don't know i didn't look deeply into it but uh, I, <laughs> That's yeah. Weird. yeah funny yeah i mean when you guys get snow it's like oh no we can't go outside because we have so much snow we get snow it's like look i saw a snowflake it's snowing it's that kind
1: yeah of you the, guys are right on know. the verge of like being warm more often than ever
0: off, yeah, it's kind of weird. Not. We are like right in that, that little spot, maybe it's the Ohio River Valley or something. I don't know, but I, I mean, I've been to Louisville a few it,
1: times, but... and it was like I remember a couple times we were working out at it with the distillery about five or six years ago, me and David Welder, and it was like 15 degrees out. A couple places yeah, we went it's, to, it's
0: 17 right now, oh, yeah. which is pretty cold yeah. for us. So, but in the last couple of days, have been like that, which is weird because a week ago, it was like when we went on our retreat last weekend. It was like sixty something.
1: Yeah, same here. Same so here. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? The world is changing. People always get crazy about when I mean, global warming is a thing, of course. But then the Earth changes all the time. You know, obviously sure. uh, yeah. we're accelerating it, but it probably would have happened whether we were here or not.
0: You never know. Because well, what do you guys do this weekend?
1: I burn some fossil fuels.
0: Shot
2: aerosol cans up into
0: the <laughs> into
1: ozone. <laughs> ozone. <laughs> what? We are we are just making friends. <laughs> what did I do? I worked on a blacksmith knife. That's what I did. Dave, you go. You were talking.
2: No, I, no, I was saying dumb stuff. If I asked <laughs> what I was doing, I said I was shooting aerosol cans up into the ozone, making it warmer.
1: <laughs> we were both, uh, I, both yeah. trying
2: to be funny.
0: I didn't uh, for the weekend. Jokes. I didn't
2: do much of anything. I've been really good over the last few months he's, about, he's
0: pouring coffee by the way not I'm, going to the bathroom I'm sorry
2: just i'm not to be clear for everybody <laughs> yeah i should pay attention to what i'm doing um i've been really good about not working after five thirty, and then not working so much on the weekends just really taking it easy trying not to get burnout so um the weekends are the time for kelly and i to hang out and not do much so no, no fun, no fun making stuff type things over the weekend except just flipping through books looking for inspiration.
1: Well, Friday I bought like probably my tenth anvil, my eighth or tenth anvil <laughs> from a, a friend on Instagram. He lives up here, up near here. He's a new friend, a guy named Bob, and he has a great collection of anvils. So me and me me and my buddy went up there, and I picked up an anvil from him. And I got it in the shop, so Friday night I was all amped, just like uh, thinking about a project to make on it. So I took a piece of the the scissors and I just threw it in the forge. This is at like 6 o'clock at night. And I ended up forging out a knife for me, which was a real big deal, because typically I work with stock removal. You take a piece, you trim it down. I have done some blacksmith knives, but it seemed funny. And this I thought could be a topic eventually. doesn't have to be today, but the idea of how you practice 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 never really achieving anything but practice all the various disciplines of something and then it all just comes together like when you least expect it because i sat down at that the new anvil that i got that night and it wasn't on a stand it was down on the ground and so i was sitting on a little box i, I said i feel like a like a an old japanese uh blacksmith you know you usually see these guys like sitting down when they work that you know it's not this big aggressive american style that we do and uh, so I just sat next to the anvil on a little box, and the forge was right nearby, at about knee high. So I, between the forge, the anvil, and my seat, I, I hammered out this knife, which I'll show you guys. This the knife, I showed it on Instagram. I double stamped the logo, accidentally. You guys saw that on my Instagram, perhaps. And so I just, I looked at it and I said, oh, wow! Well, after I polished the knife up, it, it started to look kind of sexy. So I, I put it up and saying, you know, not all mistakes are mistakes. Basically, I made a little quote. I took a quote from Albert Einstein. Those who, those who never made a mistake, never tried anything new. That's hmm. what I said. And so uh, anyway, it was a big win for me because it came out so easily. It wasn't a, the struggle that it had been in the past. In the past, blacksmithing has been a struggle to the point where I'm like, oh, this is such a pain. I, maybe I should just give give up this particular project or why did I choose this? I'll just go to a, a piece of stock removal, which is obviously easier for me. That's the way I made the scissors. And anyway, it all came together really nicely. And, uh, and after being down on my... my, my I'm sitting on my box, blacksmithing. I thought, let me make an anvil stand for this tomorrow. And so Saturday, I woke up and I started making an anvil stand for the anvil. And I came up with this interesting idea to put wheels on it. So I'm going to make an anvil stand with retractable wheels so that I can move nice. it around. So, so I started that. That is, is going to be my next video.
0: That's cool. Well, since you're talking about blacksmith knives, let me show you mine. Yeah. So-
1: Oh, so yeah, this okay. is my first knife, made
0: a machete, and it's not straight. Like you can see, there's a curve here, and looking down the blade, it's all right, but it's not straight. It has a little curve, but it's a machete, right? So it just needs to chop stuff, and it totally chops stuff. So. <laughs> Perfect. That,
1: yeah. that looks like a murder weapon from like the 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's got all the all That's, the marks in it, you know, from the hammer, which I was using the wrong hammer, so it's like has a lot of deep kind of. You know, like, the edge of the hammer has more of a squared-off shape than a roundage, like a peen, and so there's a bunch of, like, kind of deep little things in it.
1: That adds texture. So does mine. Mine's got a lot of those marks in it, but I I like that. I kind of leave them in there purposely.
0: I ended up kind of leaving... Yours look cooler than mine do. Mine are just, like, I look sloppy, but (laughs) anyway, I'm I'm really happy with it. I mean, I think anybody else who has done blacksmithing would probably kind of, like, ah, good job, pat me on the head kind of a thing, but, like...
1: No, you've got to start somewhere. And what did you do? Did you taper You tapered the blade down to, to slim and then you ground it a little bit? Uh,
0: yeah. So I started with a one and a half inch by 18 inch just stock and then put a notch where the handle was going to be and then bent the handle back and then tried to shape the end of that a little bit mm-hmm. and then shaped the tip. And so the blade itself is not a whole lot different. I tried to draw the cutting edge a little bit and got it a little bit yeah. flatter, but it was super you know, wobbly. And I don't know how in the world you would actually try to thin out that cutting edge and keep it straight in the, the forging process. But
1: it- Well, I'll tell you what. What I learned, you just just work on focusing on pinning that out. And then when you're done, like you're done with that few, few minutes of work, you just peen that edge out, peen that edge out. And that thing will be like yeah. a banana. It'll be like whoop. And then you just turn it over, flatten it out, peen it from the other side. It'll curve back up that other way. And just keep flattening out the overall thing. But just work on that edge. And that's what I did here on this. This edge is really drawn out. This piece of material was only like, was as big as that handle is, this is how big this material oh, wow, was, but well. thicker. Dang. So I drew it out maybe two thirds longer than the piece was. Hmm. So the original stock I started with was one third as long. But that's what I'm saying, learning from all the guys that I've worked with over the last couple of years, and uh, just listening to all these guys teach, Brett talk about it, stuff all the time. You know, all that came together with me sitting at the Anvil that night, and I really had it was really a breakthrough for hmm. me. I feel because like all this learning came together. But it's been three years I've been playing around with it. Yeah. So you know. So anyway, that's my first but that's first great. attempt,
0: and it actually works pretty well.
1: Now is that is that part of a bigger story, or is that the story for that? video? Uh,
0: I mean, that's the story for that video. It was like I, I in mm-hmm. cutting a trail out at the farm. You know, I, I have a I have oh, a machete, right. but it it kind of worked. And then I was just like, I should just make one. Like that'd be. And I know you can buy them for five yeah. bucks at Harbor Freight. Everybody's going to say that, but this was a a really good experiment no, because lovely. I learned a whole lot about the stuff that I don't know yet. Not that seems obvious, but like I don't I don't have the answers. I didn't learn the answers to things. I learned a bunch of questions, which mm. is a cool thing for a yeah. new discipline to be like. Oh, I had no idea that I needed to understand how the angle that the hammer is hitting would affect, like. Uh, the the thickness of the material, so if you have a a thinner piece of material and you hit it at one angle, it goes one direction. If you hit a different angle, it it doesn't necessarily go a different direction, but it acts differently. And that's like something I wouldn't have known unless I did it and saw what it did. And then I'm like, oh, well, now I
1: also where where you where that piece of material where that piece of material gets hit on the surface of the anvil in coordination with the hammer itself. You know that depends on how far it's going to stretch and in which direction it's going to stretch. feels
0: like there's a whole bunch of mechanics like yeah. that, that just, mm-hmm. man, you just have to, ex- like, have the the muscle experience of doing it. Like, even just pulling something out of the forge, holding it in, <clears throat> in the tongs, and then getting it into the position that you want. Like, you have to think ahead before you even grab the piece, piece of material. Like, where am I going? How's yep. it going to rest? How am I supporting it? And then how am I going to start working on it? Mm-hmm. And then, like, once you get it down, if you need to flip it over... What an awkward thing! Good grief! Like you're, like fully clenching this one arm to hold a thing down, and then you have to
1: like roll it. That's why I use vice grips all the time. I always forge (laughs) with vice
0: grips.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm no traditional blacksmith, and I'm all about blazing new paths. (laughs) I forged this whole knife with with a vice grip because you could then focus on the hammer and what Mm -hmm. you're doing, as opposed to trying to keep from shooting it out of the tongs the whole time. So I have a big pair of vice grips. I just grab it with that and this way I could flip it over quickly and not, just like you said, not worry about accidentally losing it or letting it go.
0: Yeah. I, do so. do blacksmiths, traditional blacksmiths, ever have like any sort of a pinch on the back of their tongs?
1: Yeah, there's a, okay. a ring. There's a ring that sometimes you'll see tongs that have a ring that will flip over and grab the mm. other side so then you could hold it loosely and it's holding mm. itself. That's the blacksmith version of a vice gotcha. grip. That makes a lot of, a a lot of sense because
0: that. that was a... I, you know, I was expecting the hammer arm to be a workout and to be, you know, I, and I felt that exhaustion after a while. Like, you you kind of lose your grip, so it gets real kind of floppy after a bit. But then I didn't think about the fact mm-hmm. that the tong arm is going to be exhausted as well because it's just constantly fighting against all of the jarring that you're creating and mm-hmm. squeezing it all the time and stuff. It was cool. I learned a lot. Um, and I definitely want to do it again. I think, actually, the next one I'll do, I'll probably do off-camera and just take a really small piece of material. Because, I you know, I was working with an 18-inch long original piece, and I didn't make it that much longer, maybe two inches longer. But...
1: What kind of metal was it? Did it you happen was to know?
0: 1095. <clears throat> so, high-carbon oh, steel. Did
1: you do the hardening process mm-hmm. and all that?
0: Yeah. I mean, as best as nice. I can understand it, you know, with what I have. So, I used the forge yeah. for the uh, the normalizing cycles and then I used a powder coat oven for the tempering and I mean it seemed to work pretty well it seems to Mm -hmm. hold an edge better than I thought it would so I didn't do it
1: you could do the the file test you could skate the file on it to feel like if it's cutting yeah
0: that's true I saw that somewhere and I forgot to do it um I was actually going to ask you because I watched last night watched your scissor video which was super cool and after having just done a little bit of blacksmithing I watching it you know you have a different kind of appreciation and understanding of what's happening. So I actually got a lot more out of watching that after trying it than I would have, I think. Which was really really cool. Sure. Um, I had a question about your heat treat oven that you have. Even heat. I mean, how do you like that? Because I I immediately thought if I'm ever going to do this again, or if I'm going to start doing more of this, that would simplify the entire process.
1: Yeah, those guys are fantastic. They're big fans of the YouTube community. They're great. They did give me one, and I, I have two of them. I bought one full retail. I think they gave me a discount on it, but I bought one straight away and then they gave me one just to help promote them. So I have a long one and a, and a short yeah. one. And the reason we got a, we got a second one is because after we did the first knife class, there was a big bottleneck because a lot of guys were waiting for their knife to get <clears throat> up to temperature for quenching. And then we also had to do the the tempering. We, we do it all in that in that oven. So we ended up getting, so now I have mm. two of them and specifically for when we do the classes. Uh, but now I got one in the Black Barn, which is where I do some blacksmithing, and I have one in the in the big shop, which is where I also do some work. And my buddy Austin has been making a lot of nice Austin owns the Blackthorn with his family. He's the one who throws the Catskill Maker cam. Austin's been coming over every couple of days, heat treating in the oven. So it's great. It's great because you could stick it in the forge and just guess where you're at and you know, stick a magnet on it and assume what color it looks like. Or you could stick it in there, set a temperature, and... They have I have it here. I haven't attached it yet, but they could you could use the app and you could have it tell your telephone what temperature it is, so you can go do some errands for the mm-hmm. hour it takes to get up to ramp ramp up to heat so i, I think there it's definitely worth having if it's something you really want to get into yeah, hmm.
0: I, I always go back and forth between that feeling of just like I want a new tool, I see a new thing that looks really cool, and then how much I'll actually use it yeah you know I mean,
1: you know you could use it for ceramics too, oh it's, you could use that up. So it's it is a it, that's cool. you could certainly that's what they made ovens for initially, was for ceramicists and then the knife guys came along. Hmm.
0: Bless you. He just sneezed and hit the mute button like, just in time. That, that was, was impressive.
1: <laughs> Coordination That was great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was a good one. Um yeah, so the, the even heat ovens, they originally made ovens for for kilns, kilns for, for treating hmm. pottery and stuff. That's cool. So you could still use is that it oven a for one that. I have 220 volts, just so you can get more efficiency out of it. But they do have a 110, but the the 220 probably works better. heats up faster. and doesn't put as much stress on your Mm.
0: circuitry. Okay. Cool. Well, I just kind of wanted a recommendation because I'm beginning to look down that path. And I had thought about, you know, eventually I want to get a big kiln for my wife for her uh, ceramics. But that seems like... I guess it's the same temperatures you know heat is heat but it seems like the wrong thing to use for a knife or something because it's such a big area typically um so one of those smaller ones was kind of interesting but then i started looking at the cost of them i was looking at the paragon ones because that's what alec has in his shop and so that was a name that i recognized and i mean both companies like that's that's a lot of money for a little oven you know so. yeah
1: I think I paid, like I said, I think they discounted me. I think I paid at least $1,500 yeah. plus shipping, you know, of course, it's money to ship and they, it's a fragile thing mm. to ship. But, you know, I look again, I was able to buy it with the with the the excuse of having the classes. So, oh, if we we're going to run a class, you know, and the classes, there's a big uh, exchange of money there. We take a lot of money in, we pay the teacher and, you know, there's yeah. expenses. Cool. Anyway, That's it was cool. worth it. It'll get used. Yeah, I'm
0: sure I'll probably... If it's there, I'll probably find excuses to use it. Um, David, you said something earlier that I w- wanted to come back to because I've actually been thinking about this. This is kind of weird, and I'm not sure how I feel about it, but you said something about you'd been trying really hard to not work on weekends and you know kind of be done at 5, 6 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's been my... I've had this tension for, I think, ever since I went full-time on this thing, to, to try to keep the boundaries, right, of normal work hours and not, like, overload myself and everything. I was thinking about this recently, that I think that might be a problem for me. Not a problem doing it, because I do it. I consistently will go upstairs at between 5 and 6. I consistently only am in the shop on the weekends if there's, like, free time and, you know, the kids are all playing with their friends or there's nothing else going on. Like, work is never a priority in those times. But I I, there's a part of me that just really wants to get back to doing the stuff and I feel like sometimes it's good to be in a pl- to be in a place of rest and have that like pull to work and to push it away right mm-hmm. and to be like no I need to rest I need to be with people I need to do this like life stuff whatever the thing is but then like there's certain times within myself where I see um, I can't shake it like I can't shake that desire to go back into the shop and I'm not I'm not doing a good job at being dad or being husband or being friend because that th- I just can't shake that thing. And it, I've been thinking about this for a few weeks now about like maybe I'm trying to be hmm past the point of what I should be uh, as far as like I don't even know how to say this. Like maybe those times and that separation was just is is a is an artificial like we're used to five six being kind of the end of a work day we're used to weekends and weekdays being the way that work works and like I'm putting that on myself and that's a good thing but I wonder if the specifics of that and the amount of time that I'm putting into those things is not right uh, the quite the right fit for me like maybe I do need to work a little bit more not a lot more but a little bit more to get like my internal balance you know like the the amount of work that I want to do versus the amount of work that I need to do are not necessarily the same thing and so like I don't know I was just thinking about that I know Jimmy I, I get the feeling that you don't have that struggle at all like you just will work until you're mentally done working and then and then yeah there's...
1: I mean I it's it, the like I said uh, I've said in the past that I'm I'm lucky Taylor today's Taylor's birthday so happy birthday to my partner in life, Taylor is uh, like me. So she gets into modes where she works late. And so I don't have that stress of like, what time are you coming home? What time is dinner? You know, I'll call him like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm just sewing up a chair. And when I, she, all she has to do is say, I'm sewing up a chair. And I know she's working till midnight. Mm. So I could stay in the shop till midnight. And then we'll get together later on. So I have a unique situation where my partner does exactly what I do. And so we could both, we used to work in the same shop, but she she needs a clean environment for the direction her furniture is going. So now she has her own studio. It's different spots in a different neighborhood than mine. So, you know, I find myself driving to her <clears throat> late at night or she's driving here. And, but when we're both at that point where we need to just put it down, like yesterday, for instance, we spent the entire day just goofing off and we went to Lowe's, we bought some shades for the house and went to dinner and you know, took a nap in the afternoon. We just took that, that, that retreat day. And so we're in tune like that. So I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I don't i do not have, you know, I've been in relationships where it's like, I'm waiting for you. And then you have to just like cut it all off and like leave and go to dinner with somebody that can't really appreciate, you know, where your mental is, you know, your, your brain's still in the shop because you had to leave prematurely or whatever. But um, yeah, that's... There are days where today is going to be a busy day because I have a few Skype calls to deal with. I have a couple of interviews to take. So I'm going to be hardly in the shop. I'll be at the house all day, most of the time, on the computer doing some editing and, and doing some Photoshopping. So it's not going to be one of those days where I'm stuck in the shop all day. I'll be here, and then tonight is Taylor's birthday dinner, so we'll go to dinner. So today's going to be an easy day. But because I, I, I have a, a, an unusual life, I can every day can be totally different. And every day I could work late or take the day off and say, hey, let's go for a drive, you know, so I'm fortunate like that. But I never, I never feel like, I, if anything, I feel like I work. I don't work mm-hmm. enough, which is crazy, yeah. but yeah. that's how I feel.
0: Well, I mean, I, I'm i in a really fortunate position as well in that my wife is hundred. 100- thousand percent supportive like she never is like are you done yet never ever ever has she had that sentiment at all yeah so i never feel the guilt you know from anybody outside of me about like working i think it's more of just a i need to make sure that my priorities are in line people are priority first always and so like i just i have to make that a priority but then there's there's still that part of me that's like the idea of people being a priority is a good thing and a thing that you should strive for but if nobody actually needs you and you're just you're just out of the shop to be available. I don't know. I guess that has value too. I'm just thinking through this out loud. Like I feel like sometimes I will get out of the shop because I feel like I'm probably supposed to not because I actually need to not because nobody, not because anyone actually needs me or I have another obligation. It's just like, well, it's five. That means I should probably stop. And that's like, I don't know that that's right. And so I was thinking through this recently, just like maybe I've put this artificial schedule on myself Because I think it's the right thing to do, and maybe another way to accomplish the same thing is just to be super in tune with where I'm needed and when I'm needed. Sometimes that's work. Sometimes that's family and friends and life, you know, and I just need to be in tune and be willing to kind of pivot into those things when I'm needed and maybe not be so rigid with myself about the schedule. I don't know. I just...
1: When it comes to time, sometimes in the shop, I don't always say, okay, at five o'clock I have to be done. I'll say these three goals have to be done before I leave. Mm. And, you know, th- there's obviously a balance. You can't say it's if it's going to be two in the morning, that, that might not work. But I say to myself, at least these three things have to at least be started or I have to have a good conceptual grasp on whatever it's going to be or how it's going to go what direction it's going to be or you know if it's a client job I have to be like okay I can go into this with confidence knowing that the rest of the week is going to be easy because I tackled the complicated part so those are the type of goals I set for myself while I'm in the shop and then if I get those goals done then I'm like oh you know what I ended early let me go early and take advantage of this and or you know sometimes you struggle you work a little late you deal with it
2: your uh bob your question made me change my pick of the week <clears throat> it's gonna be a video that's about sorry. <laughs> no i think it's great because uh um it's uh and i'll talk more about the channel at the end of the show but the video is about you're trying to be who you think you're supposed to be and the title of the video mm-hmm. is called you're full of sorry brandon you're gonna have to bleep that but um I, it's it's normally a comedy channel and i was expecting him to make make fun of the viewers and then it was just like this serious talk of like you're trying to be who you think you're supposed to be all the time but my reasoning for limiting my time in the shop is way different than than yours for me it's about uh, trying to force myself to not be in there so i want to be in there more i've i've been having this Hmm. this issue of struggling of like really being motivated to work and i don't know why or where that motivation went away i mean i'm still working because that's what i'm supposed to do and mm. it, it's how i pay the bills but i um i want to like re- i want to wake up and I I, I I i can't wait to get out of the shower so i can go make this thing like I want that feeling to be there every single day and I feel it like slowly just kind of going away so that's why I'm trying to change it up recently um and just do different things to keep that motivation going but yeah for me it's about limiting my time in the shop so I'm anxious to get back out there and hmm. and it's one of those things like I stopped listening to podcasts a couple of years ago cuz I there's always somebody talking in my ear and I'm like, ah, I should listen to more music. It's just a more creative process of like, gives me time to think. And so I've been trying to eliminate some of these things to help me be more creative when it's time to be creative. I think, I do think creativity can be forced. And it's forced every day. If you work in a marketing agency, you're forced to be creative every day. If you if you write music for a living, you're forced to be creative every day. So like I'm trying to do these things to trick myself. I feel like I'm always trying to trick myself to be motivated or to create or to do things. Um, but I'm 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 trying to I'm just trying to find the thing that makes me creative right now, which I I know for me it's always an evolving thing next year, it'll pro- I'll probably feel totally different. And I'll probably have to do different tricks to keep me going or, or whatever.
0: Yeah, I, I've known a lot of artists and that's what you just said sounds like a lot of things that other people have said. Uh, I mean, I went to art school and so I have relationships with a lot of people who were definitely focused on the fine art, or not necessarily fine art from definition, but like being an artist for the sake of being an artist. Like they want to make art. And they started that focus, you know, in high school or college or whatever, and then they have gone on into their life. And there definitely seems to be, with a lot of those people, like a seasonality to it, to where they have this, like, just they're just overflowing with um, inspiration and with just like, I have so much I want to do. And then later in the year or, you know, within five years or whatever, there's this, I have nothing. Mm. I, I have no more ideas. Out of energy, I don't have any motivation, and it's just it seems to be a natural thing with people who look at creation uh from a a a form point of view. I feel like I look at creation more from a function point of view, so it's everything has like a utility base to it, and so it's easier for me to just even if I'm not feeling great about something to be like, okay well what's a need? I need a shelf shelf is possible let's design shelf you know right. it's like that kind of a but i think a lot of the the artists i've known and it sounds like what you're saying is just they like i don't need a shelf i need to to care about something and then create the thing that that i'm <laughs> caring about and and that doesn't always follow yeah they don't follow the utility they they could look at something a utility need and be like i don't that's not i don't care about that so i don't want to spend my time there and there's there's an up and down to that so i guess if anything be encouraged that i've heard that sentiment from a lot of people who are just wildly creative and productive and there's definitely a seasonality to it.
1: I had an interesting week in the, that I have a list in my my book, I don't know where my book is. I have a list in my book of things that I want to get done. As far as videos, and there's no obligations, no no advertising obligations, just my own personal list of these are the four next videos I want to do. But I made the scissors, I was so amped up and so many wins in that process. And then I got that anvil on Friday and that night I started making that knife out of a scrap from the razor, uh, from the scissors. And then that night I'm like, oh, I should make an anvil stand. And then the next morning I jumped right into that. So my list mm. went out the window. So there is like a good, passionate, oh, wow, oh, wow, this is really cool. Oh, Let me just stick with this for a couple of days. Let me see where this goes. Let me give me give this. A, let me give this a day. And there are things that need to get done. You know, on my list is certain things, things, shelves, you know, for lack of a better description, but shelves that need to be put together and organization that needs to happen. Aaron's doing a great job organizing the place. He's kind of tearing apart sections at a time and saying, I think we need to do this. And I say, "Good, let's do it. And then forces me to, to step up to his challenge. And, you know, so I'm getting better at keeping the place organized because he's better at keeping it organized. And, uh, so the point I'm making is is sometimes you just go mm-hmm. with the roll, the flow, whatever happens, just roll with it. Sometimes you have to force that roll. We've all
2: had the, the comments of you, you're you out of ideas now because of whatever video that we, we put out. And to be honest, I probably have a list of 200 things that I want to make. Or uh, some of the ideas are, you know, what Bob calls uh, the crazy banana ideas. And some of them are functional and some of them are just, just, a, just a thought that needs more time to, to blossom. And so there's a list of 200 things and I'm adding something to it multiple times a week. But when it comes time to start a new project, I pick and choose based on like, what really, what do I want to do? Even though I want to make, I want to do this built-in in our closet that's been on the list for a year and a half now I'm not motivated to do it. So that just sits there. Cause I, I want, I want to do that project. I don't want to make that project because I have to. So that's one of the things I I constantly struggle with is like, yeah, I've got all these things I want to do, but what do I really want to do this week? Or I'll find reasons to not do that project. Let's say there's a, um, like a, like this, I, I I've got these tree trunks and I've had them for many months now and they're supposed to be for this, basically a sculpture but i i i don't do them because i don't have the one detail worked out yet i'm like nope i got to sit on that idea for a little bit because that one needs to uh it's not all there so i'm just going to let it sit and one day that that finishing idea that 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 one thing that sets it off will, will come Or the closet, like, oh, yeah, I got to clean out the closet before I can do this built-in. So that stops me from doing that. So I find reasons to not do all these things. And then um, I struggle on on Mondays to, like, figure out, hey, what are we going to do this week? And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm trying to get rid of the the weekly schedule, which is super hard to do, um, is so I I get out of that, like, I, I panic on Mondays and try to figure out what to do for the week. But going back to that schedule thing, I said I was going to drop the whole schedule and just do whenever and put out videos whenever. That is really, really tough for me to do. <laughs> it's, yeah. Because it it's is. a formula that works very well. Yeah. And to get out of that, has just been a struggle for me. And, uh, and last week we shot a video. The video, I edited the video. It got done. It's a sponsored video by Squarespace. They approved it. And I didn't put it out because I didn't like the edit. So... Like I've been trying to do a different type of video, and that was one of the first where it was like there was a lot of talking at the beginning, and then the making part was just uh, no talking, just music and things happening, and then the end making. And I was like, I don't like the flow of this video, and so today I'm going to re-edit it, and hopefully it goes out today. But um, it's so hard to change up what from what I used, from what I know, and what I've been doing for a long time. So. I'm going to get there, I'm going to change it up, and the schedule's going to be different, and it's going to be more fluid. But, man, that's a struggle, especially when you get really yeah. comfortable with
0: something. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to do that for a long time now, just not necessarily ditching the schedule, but being flexible enough to say, like, we're going to shoot for every week, and if it doesn't work, like, if something's not done, we're not going to, like, force it, and we're not going to be stressed about it, and, and mostly talking about myself. Like, I'm not going to just make a big deal out of it. If we don't hit the schedule, we don't hit the schedule, and we'll shoot for next week. I say that, and I've been saying that for a long time. But there's still that part of me every single week that's like, man, we're we're getting close. Like I gotta, I gotta speed this thing up and get this thing done because I gotta get it to so and so, and they gotta get it to so and so, and it's gotta be approved. And the, you know, there's like this chain of events that has to happen, and I'm always looking at that release date, even if I try not to. It's just, you're right, it's built into us after mm. several years of doing a thing. Yeah
1: it's funny it's funny my my, i put out a video and well as soon as i finish the edit i want to publish it like i don't i never hold anything back so in the last two weeks i put out three videos i put out the antique rifle i put out my vlog and then two days later i put out the scissors so it's i just and then there'll be two weeks where i don't put out a video because i'm just jammed up or traveling so i just go with whatever happens happens so Getting too old to worry about this. <laughs>
0: well, yeah. And, I mean, you're kind of joking, but that's kind of the truth. Like, there's a there's a balance yeah. uh, of how much pressure you're willing to put on yourself and, like, what's the return of the pressure. Not the work. There's The work has return. But, like, the pressure doesn't necessarily do as much for us as we often think it does. And the <laughs> older you get, or the older I get, at least, it seems like, man, I don't really deserve that pressure anymore. I don't know that I really want to. <laughs>
1: yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. people will be there you know it's funny what's happening with me I, I don't know if I talked about this earlier but there's uh, what's happening with me and now I don't know if this is a compliment or or an insult I don't know I put out videos in the last the last like four maybe five videos I put out are all exclusively brand new videos and people I got people used to the, the rest of the classics the throwbacks people are like when are you going to make a new <laughs> video already bro I'm like this is a new video but I think because I'm just like on this path of putting up yeah. old stuff my my edits, my style is just so familiar to you know the, the the keen viewer that they assume maybe not so keen viewer that they assume that this is an old video that they saw it already. Hmm. So like I said, I don't know if that's a compliment or or, or an, the opposite of a compliment. But even I even got it on the scissors. Somebody's like, dude, when are you going to stop putting up new content? I was like, <laughs> it's, this, it's just, you have
2: a style. That's a, it's a compliment for <laughs> sure. There is your style for <laughs> editing.
0: Yeah. You know. Thank you. Mm. so this kind of good topic that we had all of this stuff um we got an email from michael and he's a listener of the show hey michael and basically i'll, I'll just read a little snippet um my 13 year old son believes that he can be a youtuber and sit back and release a few videos and make a living so much so that he's failing his classes by giving zero effort. What can you tell me about the life of a YouTuber that will help me have the not-as-easy-it-looks reality checks conversation with him? So I wanted to throw this out there. I wanted to talk about it, but I wanted to make sure, and I talked to YouTube before we recorded, to make sure that we weren't going to be seen as like, oh, our life is so hard. Like YouTube is really, really tough. That's not the point. The point is to show a reality check to a kid who thinks it's, just like breezy and easy because it's not it's work like all jobs right first off right off the bat how old is is the kid 13 13
2: yeah. so probably 80% of his class and 80% of all the other kids that are in the same situation as him want to be youtubers so his competition <laughs> is going to be crazy because yep. as a youtuber, We put up the best of ourselves. We get to edit what the people see. So it does make it look like I have a glamorous life full of doing stuff, whatever I want. And I can wake up and go to work whenever I want. And so it does look crazy fun and awesome. And it is crazy fun and awesome. But every single YouTuber that I know works their butt off every single day, every single week, month, year, like nonstop. And so um, with that competition is going to be a lot of a lot of work. Not saying this, he can't do it because if you have the motivation, you can pretty much do whatever you want. But the competition is going to be crazy for for this young man.
0: One thing that I think is kind of interesting about this is that YouTube is such a broad... It's like saying you want to be a TV star Like what does that mean? You want to be an actor? You want to be a reality star? You want to be a sports caster? Like there's a a million different jobs That are TV person, star, whatever Uh, I think YouTube's the same way You know like maybe this kid Or other people look at vloggers And think that that's the easy one Because they're just walking around doing fun stuff And like talking to a camera about it I mean if I'm perfectly honest I would say that's a lot easier than what we do and I'm not trying to be like, you know, we work harder than anybody else. I don't mean that. But, like, we are making a video about a thing that's being made. So we have to we have two things at least there that are happening. Um, now, maybe a vlogger has to create a story ahead of time. They have to create the situation to be able to video it. So maybe I just don't have experience there to say that it's what, what workload goes with that. I don't know. But I wonder if um, this kid and other kids who think YouTuber is, like, a super cool job, if they're looking at that that style of, um, you know, like, I'm just going to go do fun stuff and talk to the camera about it. If, if, if that's their perception, then they have to understand that those people also probably do that pretty much every single day. And somebody has to pay for all the stuff that they're doing. And somebody has to edit the video every day after they end up doing the thing. And I, I bet most of those people who do that, that are really successful, are doing all that stuff themselves, at least for a while, you know, they're going out and they're having fun and looking cool. And then they come back and edit till three o'clock in the morning, sleep for a couple hours and then they <laughs> get up and do it again. That does not sound like a life that I want personally. So, I mean, it's like, like you're saying about the editing. I think everybody on YouTube has this hyper edited, no matter how authentic you try to be, you have a hyper edited version of a snippet of life that's, when, as a viewer is someone else's life so it's always going to look greener it's always going to look better it's always going to look more interesting and it's edited and that makes it even like tenfold more unrealistic and foreign and stuff Um, I don't know how you would tell a kid the reality of it without like having them sit over your shoulder
1: maybe we should do that we should do, I, that. I we should a, do like a
0: scared straight <laughs> thing
1: for kids that want to be YouTubers <laughs> Get them and yeah and they them. just
0: like get to Sit over your shoulder and watch how boring it is to like do spreadsheets. And uh, Josh probably just cringed because he put his he's fist pumping. Josh loves spreadsheets. A spreadsheet. Um, but at the it's same, okay. time... okay.
1: Everybody knows I never do a spreadsheet. <laughs> it should also be encouraged because if yeah. if he's passionate about it, that's what I was going to say. I have a very interesting point of view, or at least you know I have a, I have a point of view about this. I think if if my thirteen year old kid wanted to make YouTube videos, I would say that is amazing. Go full blown. Go into it. One hundred percent. I just have to. The reality check comes in, where is like he's not going to make money right away. He might get lucky. He might end up becoming like a, you know, Phil DeFranco or Casey Neistat or, 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 or uh, you know, Felix, uh, you know, the Pootie Pie. He very may well become that. But you'll never know unless you, if you crush that dream. Say, make a deal with the kid. Say, let's do it for a year. If you're not showing results or if you're not getting traction or you know, let's set some goals. You're not going to make money. I mean, I sell everybody. I didn't really make any money until I was at over maybe 200, 250,000 subscribers. And still, you don't make money from AdSense enough to live on, especially not as an adult with a family. AdSense money is great. It's a great little annuity, but it's not going to create a living. The living comes from the ancillary relationships you make because people are watching a channel that's where the money comes in and you know if this kid's a skateboarder or if he's a BMXer or or if he's an artist you know maybe he gets a deal with Apple or maybe he gets a deal with Wacom who who knows i, I don't know the personal situation at all but i would totally encourage the kids that here go full blown don't expect to get any money maybe you you make a deal with the kid where completely dig into your passion money is not going to be part of the equation not not for a really long time. So you need to have a job as well. Maybe a video, maybe your YouTube channel is about your job. Get an interesting job at a warehouse or something. And your YouTube channel is about that job. It's about you trying to develop your career into becoming a YouTuber. So there's so many subjects. And it's any subject could be made to be interesting. I mean, Vice is a really good example of that. Casey Neistat is a great example of that. Jocko, now Jocko's vlogging every day. Any concept like Jocko made looking at those haikoki drills beautiful with his robot now i'm sure this 13 year old kid doesn't have a you know twenty thousand dollar robot to film but what in your environment can you make as comparably interesting you know you we see every once in a while like a viral video will go it'll be an animation like a stick figure animation or or an animation of just objects in somebody's room like frank hallworth is Made, built his career on doing interesting animations of just inanimate objects. And that's literally something anybody can do with imagination, time, and some practice. And Frank has his own personal style. Anybody who does it would. And you know, it's the sound effects you use, the, 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 you know, the, the camera angles, the quality of how you film it. But I totally would encourage anybody to jump into this, but know that you're not going to make money for a long time. I think the money thing is very important because many of us got
2: into making videos because we like making videos or we like sharing what we were doing and it wasn't about money and that if it's, if you go into it hoping it's going to be a career and you're going to make money, you're probably going into it for the wrong reasons and you're going to make decisions that are not going to look or be authentic, you know, so Go into it for the love of making videos or editing videos or showing off what you like to do. And if money does come, that's the bonus. If you're able to make a living from it, that's absolutely amazing. But go into it for the love of creating
0: first. I I think the big, I, I totally agree with both of you. And I, I'm, I wouldn't want to squash this kid's interest in doing it at all either. But I think the problem with this conversation here is that the kid is getting... He's failing his classes because he thinks that doesn't matter. And I think, you know, at that point, it, it's it's the same thing as if the kid's failing his classes because he wants to be a, I don't know, major league baseball player or something. You know, where the kids have done that type of thing forever, where they think that I, I, I very- want to be an actor, I want to be a baseball player, a football player, whatever, so I'm not going to study... Because I don't need to.
1: I had a very similar uh, path as a kid. And I talked about this with Brad Leone. I don't think I made it in the edit. But when I realized 65 was passing, that became my goal. When I In middle school and high school, my goal was just, I was like Rocky. I just wanted to go th- 15 rounds. I just wanted to get out. So I realized, hey, I excel at making things ever since I was a child. I was always good at making things. I was making you know, $100 a day as a carpenter in high school on a crew, but I was failing everything. But I wasn't failing. I was passing. So I got through everything with a 65. When 65 was passing, I was like, okay, that's it. I just have to, I just have to get a 65. I have to pay. My, my, all my learning disabilities have to get me through to 65. Then I can get out of here and I could pursue my art career. I mean, I always knew that I was going to be an artist. I didn't really know how to define that as a, as a high school student. But when I realized that, then I could focus on getting just enough to get through that part of my life so I can graduate without having to go to summer school. And then I could focus on the artistry or the developing my skills of doing what really jazzed me, which was working with my hands, working as a carpenter, learning how to build a wall, learning how to sheetrock, learning how to use the bandsaw, learning how to use a router. All these things, that was my passion, taking apart cars, putting motorcycles back together. These were all the, this was like my, my learning as a, as a young child, 13, 14, 15, 16. And, I mean, I still have scars on my hands from when I took cars apart. And I look at that and I'm like, oh, that was the day I learned how to take a door panel off. I mean, the scar right here in my hand, I think about that every day. <laughs> it's a big scar in the back of my thumb. And so I would encourage it, my 13-year-old to pursue what he's really good at, know that, let him completely understand that he has to pass this stuff because it's part of being a human in this American society. You have to have this education. Maybe he makes videos about his struggle in school so he could help other kids. You know, like I said, oh, it's a matter of where you shine that light. Like, what is that light going to make interesting for your videos? Maybe this kid does a a vlog about struggling as a high school student. And... Or maybe he says, you know, I'm going to get through school. He makes his videos about that. And, you know, it's part of his, if it, if he wants to vlog or if he just wants to make epic t- style videos, it all depends on what he wants to do. But make it a point that if he wants to excel at this thing, this is part of the equation. It's all going to go to the to the same bottom line. Having an education in high school, even if it's with passing grades, just passing grades like me, it, it all, it, it has to happen. He has to figure out what to do with his money. All that money's gonna make you <laughs> stuff an education. Well, and all app. that stuff
2: might come in handy later down the road. Because if you are a YouTuber, how many actual jobs do you have? I mean, you're yeah. you're running mm-hmm. the books, you're you're doing business deals, you're you're all those things. I've changed my career five times in my life. Just switched it up and tried a different thing. And to do that, I think you need you need a past. You need to have a you gonna want to learn I didn't at 13 I didn't know what I wanted to do for a living at 19 I didn't know what I wanted to do for a living I should not have graduated high school when I did I my grades were so bad I had to go back on the last day of school to my chemistry teacher to see if I got a high enough score on my exam to to graduate and she was like David Mm. don't worry about it which meant I did not get a high enough score and she Uh,
1: she, I cheated I cheated off the kid in front of me to graduate and I I was a senior if I didn't cheat I wouldn't have I should not have
2: graduated but when I went to college four years later I think it was four or five I wanted to be there and that changed everything and I got excellent grades in college because I wanted to be there but all of those things have added up to who I am now. I wish I would have paid more attention in school. I wish we had bookkeeping and record keeping like that's and like they taught you how to write checks. I mean, I know that's not relevant today, but all that stuff is, is important. What if, uh, history, you know, like history seems like, Oh, it's a dumb subject, but what if like you, your channel come becomes something where you need to, Revert back to these these things that you learned in school, so you could bring in some more information. You just never know when you're going to make a career choice and when all those classes and, and stuff that you learn is going to come in handy. I wish I would have paid yeah. more attention, for sure.
0: I'm totally with you. I didn't try very hard in high school. I, I had the capability to do a lot better, but I was into music, and that's what I thought. You know, I would I would somehow end up there or doing art stuff or whatever. But and I think at this point, you know, you can have a a very successful, comfortable life without going to college, possibly without even graduating high school. I don't know. I wouldn't recommend that. But I think the big thing about education, and I'm sure Michael knows this, like he's not asking us to, to parent his child for him, but um, education just gives you opportunity, right? So the, the more education you have, the more stuff you learn, the more stuff you put in your belt, the more opportunity you have to be able to do things in the future. And so just like you're saying, David, if this kid wants to start one type of channel and then do something else, that's going to be easier if he has more education under his belt so he knows what opportunities he, he has and doesn't miss them when they come up. I think um, maybe a way that you could go about this, and I'll probably deal with this at some point with my kids, is <clears throat> the kid is sacrificing his education because he wants to eventually do this other thing. So maybe there's a way to make both of those things happen. Maybe Michael could or any parent could. Um, kind of put an ultimatum, like, I will help you pursue this thing you want. I will buy you a camera or I will help you edit your videos or I will do something to enable what you want if the education side of it is, is, yeah, you know, get passing grades, get B's, get whatever, you know. And like, and at that point, they have incentive to do the thing you want them to do, but also to pursue and have extra help from the outside, uh, to get to the thing that they want, you know. So maybe there's something there because I don't think you could ever really tell any kid how important their education really is, and have them go, "Oh, you're right, Dad. Thanks for the talk." You <laughs> that's know, a good I mean, point. it's like it, no kid is gonna just. Yeah, my parents definitely know more than I do, so I'm gonna listen to what they say because that's not what kids do. That's just we were all there. <clears throat> we know how that is, and I don't think you can expect that of a kid. So maybe a way around that is to prove that to them by giving them the help to get the goal that they want while getting what you know is best for them you know through their work
1: my personal experience in high school and elementary school and middle school really middle school is really when it started kicking in when that i just hated being there and that i didn't like it i didn't like reading uh, reading comprehension for me was always a horrible thing and math i get confused and i kind of delve into like my own little daydreams and fantasies but the teachers and i i i highly uh, i give i don't know how do you say this i feel i'm happy for the fact that a lot of my teachers saw something special in me and they said look for instance i'm remembering my science teacher she's like look I know the chemistry, the, the you know, these drawings of chain molecules, all this stuff isn't what you're up for because that confuses you. But the practicality of science and these practical experiments is really where I was interested And these, like, physical things. These, like, the point I'm making is is the teachers saw in me that they could enlighten me or get me excited about the subject if they could highlight the things that they could tell interested me. Like, social studies... When it came to like studying economics, I hated all that stuff. But what I was interested in was the American Revolution and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So history, history of like how America got here. So I always had a big interest in that and like certain characters like Ben Franklin. So my teachers saw that in me and would like, oh, this would be an interesting article for you to read if you, you know, take the time and struggle through reading because I never was good at reading. And I got better at reading as I became an adult in high school and elementary school. Like, the teacher would be like, oh, read this book. I would just, I wouldn't even open it because I knew it would be a struggle for me. And anyway, then somebody told me about cleft notes, and that helped a little bit. But I was lucky enough to have teachers around me that would make the topics or the subjects interesting to me in the way that, you know, like I was, I had this reputation because I spent, Three years of high school going for architecture half the day, so my teachers in my high school knew that I had just spent the morning learning architecture math, and and so they would, uh, you know, they would take a special interest in me. So I was I was fortunate for that so, that I had those teachers that helped me through. Not everybody, but there was a few teachers that come to mind that would help me through these difficult times by saying, you know, this could be interesting to you because of these things, and that's all I'm saying. That if this child's father could <clears throat> maybe speak to his teachers and say, you know, he's, he's having troubles in these areas but let's try and get creative spend a couple of minutes with him and see what is it about any of these topics that does excite him, if there is any of that let's focus on that and then the other part will will follow in time.
0: Yeah, I I think um, I don't know if I talked about this it, it would have been good in the pivot conversation when we had that a couple weeks ago but um, when I was in high school I was in band, I played music in and out of the school band. But then when I got like halfway through high school, I was kind of just over that, and I didn't really do it anymore. And so the alternative from taking band was to take art. So I just kind of flowed into the art class, not because I really had any interest in it, just it was the the other option. And so I took this art class. I did all right in it, but the teacher there saw that I had... um, I don't know what she saw in me. She saw something. And so she kind of pulled me aside and pushed me to do extra stuff outside of the the curriculum and to work on different types of things and kind of built my own little set of tasks because she could see that I was headed towards art, and I didn't even see it yet. And so she invested a lot in me – um to build a portfolio to be able to get out of high school with a good art portfolio, which got me into an art college, which then started me down the path of like learning art stuff and learning video editing and uh, computer stuff and just all the different things that, you know, it started, excuse me, started me down a path of getting to where I am now of all these accumulated skills and all this different stuff that I was, you know, put in front of me that I just ended up picking up and is now kind of what I do. All of that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't made it to that art class. And so failing out of any school before that fact wouldn't have given her the opportunity to even like see anything in me and invest in me. And then that down the road got me to where I am. What's kind of crazy is I went to uh, for Thanksgiving. I went to our kids school. They have like, you know, Thanksgiving lunch and you can go eat lunch with the kids and have a terrible turkey and stuff. <laughs> And so I'm sitting at this table with my daughter and I look next to me and I'm like, you're my art teacher. She was sitting right there with one of her grandkids Uh at the same table. And I was like, do you remember me? And she was like, um, you look familiar, you know? And so we started talking and I told, she asked what I was doing now and everything. And I told her, I was like, yeah, I, I make stuff for a living and I just make, you know, YouTube videos and show people how to do it. And she's like. Really? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Yeah, that started with you. And she was like, oh, no way. And she got super excited. It was oh, really, great. really cool. And I just never expected that I would see her again. Like, I hadn't, I, you know, I didn't know where she was or anything. Turns out that, like, her grandson and my daughter are in the same class. And so I've run into her a couple of times at school since then. But the wild thing when I look back on that is that she, I was only in that art class because it was the alternative to band not because I wanted to be there, but she saw something, she invested in me, and kind of pulled me down a path that really, really did lead to this very moment. And I think if I had if I had given any less effort, I'm not sure how that would have been possible because I didn't give very much effort in high school, but if I had given any less effort, I wouldn't have made it to that particular place. So I don't know if any of that's helpful, Michael, but I, I think somehow figuring out how to, you know, teach the kids that, that doing okay, you don't have to be a straight A student. I don't think, I don't think that really does much for most people, but to get through education gives you opportunity and, and you have no idea as a young person or even as like a, I don't know, a 20, 30, 40s person, what opportunities are laying ahead of you. And you just want to be as prepared as possible to take advantage of those things. Education is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. YouTube, by the time that kid gets out of high school, YouTube could be gone. (laughs)
2: That's
0: true. That is an absolute reality, you know? And so if he doesn't get a high school education because he wants to be a YouTuber and then YouTube doesn't exist anymore, everybody goes to like, I don't know, VR, whatever, whatever, he's going to be in a different boat. So. Better learn how to dance so he can be on TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, maybe
1: that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, my, my final thoughts are: encourage him to go down that path wholeheartedly, but make a deal with him. You know, like you said, I'll buy you I'll buy you the coolest camera to do your vlogging, but you have to pass grades. You have to get through school, and uh, you know that could be a subject about his 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 struggles with high school. Could be a turtle. You know, I don't know what type of kid he is. If he's like wants to be totally behind the camera, or if he wants to be FaceTime camera the whole time, make that part of your your. Struggles, you know, the trials and tribulations of a of a high school student with learning disabilities is, Yeah, you know, this. Got to be an audience yep. for that, and it would help you therapeutically to get through yep. it, or just make cool stuff and just fulfill your end of the deal and get through high school and get that cool camera.
0: <laughs> That's true. I mean, it really is just is incentive to get the kid to to invest in themselves without realizing it. But I think. I know for my kids, that would be the way that I would have to pull it off. I would have to say, I want to encourage you in this thing, but you have to meet these criteria. You know, you have to, and and I'll help you. Not just like, I'm not going to let you unless you get passing grades. Like, I will make this easier for you. I will make this better for you if, you know.
1: And then, and, and another important thing, I'm, I'm, I've never been a father to children, but I've been a child with a father. And I know that when my father put things in front of me and said, do this. I said, no way. I'm going to do what I want. And the things that I wanted, you know, ultimately ended up crossing paths with what my father wanted me to do. Uh, case in point, when my dad gave me a box of chisels and said, carve, you have the ability to carve. I'm like, I don't know how to carve. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing, man? You put me on the spot. Hmm. And But eventually I did. And I'm, my dad was a little bit different in the way that, he he wasn't encouraging me to be a doctor he was encouraging me to be an artist but it was way before my time if you understand what i'm saying my my broader point is is if a kid has an urge to do stuff because my dad saw me working on the band so he's like oh you can carve and i didn't have that that faith in myself at that time it came much later just i would say encourage a kid's urge as long as it's not self detrimental if the kids are just to be an artist or even if it's to be a pitcher i would say at least fulfill the kids want and desires for a certain point and then help him decide whether it's time to move on to something more fruitful or to say okay you're not going to be the rock star that we all thought you were going to be you're 32 at the time to move <laughs> back to the house and get a real job. It, you know it's uh it it it's, but you you can't squash an urge because it's just never going to go away. It's going to make it stronger, because the kid's going to be like, "I'm going to show you. I'm going to cut school and go do it when no one's paying attention, and then come back and prove to you," or be like, "I cut school. I can't do either one. I can't do school and I can't do that." So, oops. Yeah. I know we're
2: we're running long, but uh, my, one final thought is, and I just remembered this. I totally forgot about this, and this probably should have went into the the pivot points episode a couple weeks ago, but. When I decided to go to college, one of the classes that I was taking was photography, and we had to have our own camera. I could not afford to get a camera. My parents could not afford to get me a camera. I remember my grandpa buying me my first used camera, uh, just a, a Ricoh basic used camera. And I didn't think of it as a big deal at the time, but that was my first camera, which led to me buying other cameras and led to me becoming a photographer and an assistant wedding photographer and eventually a videographer and a, a YouTuber. So maybe buying that kid that camera maybe it doesn't lead to him being a YouTuber, but maybe it is one of those pivot points where he discovers something about himself. So there you go. Yeah. Thanks, Grandpa. Cool.
0: Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Well, uh, you guys figure out what you want to recommend for the week, and I will talk about our patrons who are awesome and support this show 100%. Uh, We've got a huge list of people over there that are awesome and helpful. The top supporters, the top tiers are Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from ManCrafting, Maker and Training, FunKiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, You Can Make This Too, Modern DIY, Odin Leather Goods, and Jenny and Davis. Uh, that group of people and everybody else that supports us gets the After Show, which is a separate feed of us talking. Sometimes there's secret stuff. I don't, anybody have any secret stuff today? Upcoming stuff? Uh, I've got some... got a couple TV things ah, to talk about. Nothing okay. great.
1: Cool. But,
0: oh, oh, you're what? supposed to really sell it. Like, yes, oh. we have so many awesome things that I, you're going to miss oh out. Oh my god. You're going to flip out when I tell you tell about you the secret stuff I got for you. <laughs> So if you don't want to miss all that awesome, super enthralling secret stuff that we just teased, go to uh, patreon.com slash making it and help us out. And if you don't want to do that, totally cool. It would be really cool if you shared the show with somebody that you think might like it. Somebody that makes stuff, somebody that wants to make stuff, somebody that likes to listen to three middle-aged dudes talk about <laughs> making stuff, whatever. Um, share the show. Yeah. That would be cool, too. All right. David,
2: yeah. what you got? So, Brandon bleep this out but this video is called you're full of here's why uh the video is all about you're trying to be who you think you're supposed to be and it's it's great it's normally a comedy channel the channel is called awaken with jp and kind of makes fun of um gluten-free culture or vegan culture even though this this guy's probably a a, a vegan and, and all that but he um Hmm. It, it it it's it's hilarious it's a, it's a great channel and this video kind of took me by surprise because it was a sincere authentic video and um it's all about just stop trying to be who you think you're supposed to be and enjoy who you are now so it's it's just it's a great video
1: i i i saw this movie on airplane Actually, I only saw, like, the second half of it. I never even watched the first half, but it was enough to understand what it was about. But the most important part of this movie, whiplash is the the drumming scene. And if uh, every once in a while a piece of music will grab me and I have to listen to it 50 times, I have to listen to the... Ten versions of it have to study it, and the last scene in Whiplash. If you, it's a movie about a, a student and a teacher, and the teacher is very hard on the student to the point where the student gets rebellious, but proves to him that he can do everything he was taught. It's about drumming. Anyway, I think uh, I think that was an Oscar-winning movie a yeah, few years so. ago. I think it's from 2014 because I looked it up. Anyway, that that final scene is just incredible. Where the teachers uh, they're doing a recital and drummer just is so defiant, the teacher's about to like introduce the band, or maybe it was at the end of the recital, the teacher is about to say thank you to the audience and the student just starts drumming. And the band joins in and then it turns into this amazing rendition of Caravan, which is a Duke Ellington song. And so this week I listened to ten versions of that song and five or six different times I listened to that that episode from the movie that drumming sequence it's just unbelievable and then I start now now my whole entire feed is full of like drummer drumming <laughs> competitions or there's like guys come up to the microphone with a snare drum and it's uh, and so I got this whole week I just got into like listening to drums It's that's cool. and that it's just a, such an incredible sequence. And actually, I'm watching that sequence, which was great, because when the horns kick in, the camera just pans to the horns, and then, then the drum kicks back in, and the camera just spins fast over to the drums. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a lot of that editing style for a couple of coming, upcoming videos with the camera just spinning. I, I do it from time to time where like I'll shoot a shot... And then I just grab the camera while it's running and I just move away from where I was and I use those few seconds of that trailing off. I'll just speed that up so that it looks like a a wipe. But it's actually really like my camera just moving away from the scene I just shot. So I'm going to exploit that a little bit more after seeing this scene in Whiplash, the final scene. My
2: recommendation from last week was Jesse Driftwood. And he has a whole video, uh, two videos, I believe, that are really popular videos on doing in-camera transitions. Where you do the wipes and stuff within the camera itself. Or moving into a color and pulling out. It's it's fantastic. You should check that out. Oh, I'll check it out. And Bob, uh, I watched your shelf video... Uh, for your for your kids room the other day i'll talk about this in the after show but there is a shot in there that i want to steal from anthony and use in my videos oh yeah
0: (laughs) okay yeah he's done a few things like that like you're talking about recently which is pretty cool um this is super lame but i don't have a pick like (laughs) like at all i've i have i got i just watch simone's
2: video have you seen simone's video I have not. She made a table out of matches. A coffee table out of matches. And then she okay. lit it on fire and then the, poured epoxy over it. It's so cool. That was going to be my pick until hmm. um, you made me think of this other video that I, that, I, that I picked. So I've got two picks. Simone's matchstick coffee table is super awesome. Very creative. And it's a beautiful design. And... lot of tedious work because it's like 20,000 matches in it.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, I'll put two in your listing for the show notes and zero in mine. Yeah. And that'll work. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I just haven't seen anything new. I mean, I've seen good videos, like all of Jocko's videos that are he's putting out every day are really cool. Um, Alex is doing like a meatball series right now, which is really cool, even though I have no interest in cooking meatballs. I... I just keep recommending the same stuff because I never really watched a whole lot of new things. So, anyway, sorry. Um, all right. I want to hear about that shot. All so right. So, let's go to the after show. All uh, right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next week. Later. Love you.